Jesus, we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength arises. We wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong deliverer. You are the everlasting God. God bless you, children of God. I do greet each of you once again in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our strength, and our Redeemer. It was God who woke you and me up this morning. It was God who placed our human spirits back in these mortal bodies one more time. We not only give him all glory, all honor, and all praise, but we owe him all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. We bless God for another beautiful day. This is the day my brother and my sister, the Lord has made. 
we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I want to encourage you, children of God around the world, those of you hearing my voice or seeing my face as children of God, I know you're going through something. You say, Apostle, how do you know? Because I'm going through something. We are all going through something as children of God. God even knows that. But I want to encourage you today, my brother and my sister, our Heavenly Father has promised you and me what you are going through in your country, what we are going through here in our country, what he or she is going through in their country around the world. We are all going through different things. Some not so good, some good, some not so pleasant, some pleasant, but God has promised you. And God has promised me that all things will work together for our good, for those of us who love the Lord. I want to encourage you today, my brother, if you don't do anything else in this life, if you don't make a million dollars, or if you don't live in a, a mansion upon a hill, or if you don't drive a fancy sports car, I want to encourage you. I want to I encourage you to do something that is within all of our grasps. In other words, all of us have the ability. All of us are not going to live on a mansion, on a hill in this life. All of us are not going to have a million dollars in our bank account. But we can all love the Lord and be called according to his purpose. We can do that if we would but choose to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts the Lord Jesus and that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. I want to encourage you today, my brother and my sister, don't leave this life without salvation. You can leave this life without a million dollars, but have salvation, make it in heaven. But you can have a million dollars and leave this life without salvation and end up in hell. In this life, my brother, in this life, my sister, salvation is the most important thing. Getting your eternal soul saved. Jesus asked the question, what profits a man if he gains the whole world? What good is it to gain the whole world and then forfeit your soul? You say, Apostle, what is my soul? The soul is the unique individual part of you, the unique individual part of me that will live for eternity, that will exist for eternity. We are eternal beings. Everybody you have ever met, everybody we will ever meet is an eternal being, a being that will exist forever. The question is, where? Jesus Christ came not that, that we could be eternal beings. He didn't come to the earth that we could be eternal beings. God said, Robert, you are already eternal beings. Jesus Christ came to the earth to save sinners. In other words, to keep us eternal beings from having to be sent to the lake of fire and burning sulfur. Praise the living God. God bless you, Bishop Charles in Nairobi.
Uh, I'm seeing some saints here. Uh, uh, Pastor Victor Sardar from uh, Pakistan. We look forward to to seeing him and and the saints down there. Um, we bless God for all of you. So understand something, my brother. Understand something, my sister. Jesus didn't come so that we would be eternal beings. We are already eternal beings. You say, Apostle, what? you and I will exist forever. Whether you get saved or not, whether I get saved or not, or whether we remain there, that's, we're still going to live or exist forever. Salvation is an opportunity for you, an opportunity for me to live forever in the presence of our creator. God said, Robert, you're going to exist forever. People are going to exist forever, whatever they do. It, it, the people that get sent to hell exist forever, but it's in a lake of fire and burning sulfur. And you don't want that, my brother. I don't want that. I know we have our weaknesses. I, Lord knows I have mine. I know we have our flaws. We have our sins we have our we have all of that but don't forfeit your salvation don't leave this life with, and if you don't have salvation don't leave this life without salvation if we make mistakes or we sin or we error we still remain in the family of god i mean if god has to chasten us or god has to Punish it. All that is all that is understandable. But don't leave salvation, my brother or my sister. Don't let the adversary convince you that salvation is not Lord. See, he is our adversary. He is our opponent. Satan is the literally means the accuser of the brother. He is working hard to convince you and to convince me that salvation is not necessary, that salvation is not important. Well, God sends his apostles and his prophets who are saying just the opposite. Salvation is the most important thing you and I will ever possess. Salvation is more important than our families. Salvation is more important than our finances. Salvation is more important than our congregations, more important than our cars, more important than our houses. Salvation of your eternal soul is the most important thing in creation. So I encourage you, my brother, I encourage you, my sister, grab a hold of salvation and don't let it go. Grab a hold of your relationship with your creator. See, you know, we thank God for mama. We thank God for daddy. We thank God for sisters, for brothers, for sons and for daughters. We thank God for husbands and for wives. We thank God. for, But none of these are our creator. God is our creator. Jesus Christ is our Savior. These are the, th th listen, this is the most important relationship known to man. 
Now, the mistake, one of, and the Lord is bringing this in my spirit now, that one of the mistakes that Adam made in the garden that led to all of this sin that we see, that led inevitably to this corona plague, that led to stealing, that led to corruption. The, the, the problem that our great ancestor Adam made in the garden that really upset God. And God says, Robert is still upsetting me today. Adam allowed someone, something, some place to get in between his relationship with his creator. See, understand something, my brother and my sister. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Before the woman was ever created. Adam had relationship. See, this this is my brothers and my sisters. Relationship with God is the most important relationship that you and I will ever have. Relationship with God. See, your wife might leave you or your husband might leave you. Your sons or your daughters might disown you or your parents might. No. But relationship with God, Jesus said it like this, lo or look, I'll be with you always. Mama won't be with you always. Daddy won't be with you always. Son or daughter, friends or foe won't be with you always. God said, I will be, lo, look, I will be with you always, even until the ends of the age. The problem that Adam made, the problem that Adam had in the garden that many individuals are having today, say after the Lord, Adam, what really upset God, what really upset, see, you got to know what really upset God. What really upset God was that Adam allowed someone, something, somebody to come in between his relationship with God. My prayer for every soul under the sound of my voice today. My prayer for each of us. May we not let anyone, anything, any place come in between our relationship with our Heavenly Father. God, thank you, Father. Thank you for God. Say, I'm a jealous God. Robert, God said, tell my people for me. They listen to you. Around the world, I've made sure that I'm drawing them, Robert. Don't you worry about have, trying to draw anybody. That's not your job. God said, Robert, you lift me up. I And if I be lifted up, God says, I'll draw. Because what I'm doing, Robert, is I'm drawing men unto me. He's the living God. Don't let anybody. Don't let anything. Don't let any place, any culture, any interfere with your relationship with your creator. See, nobody has a heaven or a hell to put you in except for our creator. We may love mama. We may love papa. We may love son. We may love daughter. But they don't have a heaven or a hell to put and to place our eternal soul. Only our creator, only God will either look at you 
when you have done what you have done in this little life and look at me when I have finished doing whatever I had to do in this life and either say, well done, a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over things. Come on up. Let me make you ruler over a minute. Listen, if you ever wonder, Pastor Brian, what you what are you what are what are you trying to do? What is your goal? What are you, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to live in such a manner, in such a way that I can hear on that great day from my creator when it's my turn in line, when it's my turn in the queue. I want to hear my creator say, Well done, good and faithful servant. That that's all I need to hear. Come on up. I'll make you rule over me. I must start dancing right then. I must just start dancing. You all going to think, you all going to be like, what is wrong with Robert? Just dancing, dancing, dancing. When I hear my creator say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because there will be those on that same great and terrible day that will hear their creator say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know you. I never knew you. Into the place prepared for the devil and his angels for all eternity. For all eternity. The blessings of God on that great day will extend to men and women for all eternity and the curses of God will extend to men and women on that great day for all eternity. Just realize my brother and my sister, this is not a game. This is not a joke. This life is not a, you know, a lot of times I watch sitcoms on TV. I was watching a sitcom this morning, you know, people playing around, making jokes. This is this life is not a game. This life is not a joke. This life is real. With your and my eternal souls on the line at stake. Um, the Lord is flashing something in my spirit now. For years, I played the game of basketball. You know, played all over the United States, played in China, played different places. Now, oftentimes, you would see one level of competition out of guys when, say, we were just at the playground, maybe just shooting around or just a pickup game, there would be one level and one one way that guys would be playing. When it was, you know, didn't seem like it was really that much at stake. But then every now and then, guys at the play playground or guys in the park start talking back and forth and guys would talk about how I could do this to you and you'd talk about how you could do this to me. Then somebody will say, well, I bet you a hundred dollars. You couldn't beat me in a one-on-one. And when that happened, my brother and my sister, another guy said, well, let's go. Put your money up. 
and they will put up the money. $100 worth of hard-earned money that was now on the line. My brother and my sister, you would see a different level of ferocity, a different level of tenacity. You would not believe these were the two same guys that were just shooting around or just because now, because of that $100 on the line, they are approaching the game. They are approaching each other with a whole different level. Well, you say, Apostle, what are you trying to get us to understand? If you just think life is just la, 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 just something to be going through, you're going to have one way of approaching life. But when you realize that your eternal soul is at stake, just like when them guys realized that $100 was at stake, their defense, their offense, their re everything was harder. Everything was more intense. Well, when you realize that your eternal soul is on the line, everything becomes more intense in these lives. Now, and God says, clear this up, Robert, for my people. Many Christians mistakenly believe that we are not supposed to judge. Jesus said, judge not, lest thou also be judged. It is important, my brother and my sister, to rightly divide the word of truth. That is true. Jesus did say that. But when you rightly divide the word of truth, you will go on a little further with that scripture and find that Jesus was not talking to born again believers. And he was not talking about uh, Christians who have the spirit of God. He was talking about hypocritical and self-righteous judgment. Jesus even went on further to say, you hypocrites. You know, he was talking about hypocritical self-righteous judgment. We're not to do that. You go to 2 Corinthians 2 and 15. The scripture tells us that this man with the spirit or the spiritual man, which is what you and I are supposed to be now. We make judgments and we are instructed to make judgments about all things. But the Bible says we are subject to no man's judgment. As Christians, as men and women who have been filled with the spirit of the most high God, we are supposed to be making judgments about all things. Everything pastors say, I'm making a judgment. Everything I do, I'm making a judgment. Everything I see you do, I make we, the spiritual man, check it out, children of God, makes judgments about all things. But he himself, the Bible says, is subject to no man's judgment. So we can judge everything by the spirit that God has placed within us. But nobody without the spirit can judge us. So I want to encourage you, my brother, encourage you, my sister, rightly divide the word of truth. One of the attacks of the adversary on us as children of God and on humanity is to get them to wrongly 
divide the word of truth. Remember, and the Lord is flashing in my spirit now. Remember one of the attacks of Satan on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Satan misquoted, misinterpreted scripture to Jesus. Well, you say, Apostle, who is Jesus? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This was God. Satan was misquoting scripture. You go back and check it. He misquoted the scripture to the author of the scripture. One of the things, if we are not careful, the adversary will try to do is twist you and I up using scripture. This is why it is imperative for you, imperative for me to study, to show ourselves approved unto God. Workmen who need not be ashamed, but who rightly divide the word of truth. The word of truth or the word of God can be rightly divided or the word of truth or the word of God can be wrongly divided. My prayer for each of us. May we rightly divide the word of truth in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus Christ. Well, children of God, we have we have gone long. I don't know if I properly introduced uh, ourselves to you all. For those of you worshiping with us for the first time, I am Apostle Robert Bryant, pastor of the Christian Center Church Worldwide, headquarters, Kinston, North Carolina, USA. And I'd like to welcome each of you once again to another edition of Living the Word, a place where sound doctrine is brought to the ears of millions of God's people all over the world. We pray that you are blessed and highly favored wherever this broadcast is locating you. And I want to encourage you, my brothers and my sisters, time is winding down. You and I have one less day today than we had yesterday to get it right, to say it right, to do what God has placed you and I to do in this life. Understand something, my brother and my sister, you're not just here just to be going to work, just to be taking up space, just to be. You and I have been placed in this life by our creator. We have a supreme being. Who is, well, you know, just like the individual who made this computer that I'm working on is much wiser than this computer. Don't you know that the one that made you and me is much wiser than you and I? The, the individual that made this computer, it's a beautiful computer. My deacons got it for me years ago. I thank God for those brothers. You know, they, they, they have been such great blessings. They purchased me this tough Computer, it's the apostle. You be going into these countries and into these nations around the world. You need something tough and you need something strong to be. So they got me this this computer. I was like, thank you, my brothers, because they were exactly right. Well, the individual somebody made this computer, 
Somebody sat down with the wisdom, with the knowledge, with the understanding, and, and put it and made it. Well, don't you know that the individual that made this computer is wiser than this computer? I'm sure he knows more or she knows more than just how to make a computer. But this is something that they made. Well, our Heavenly Father, our Creator, is much wiser than us. The same way the maker of this computer is much wiser than this computer. He knows more than this computer. Our maker, God said, Robert, I know a whole lot more than you all do. Praise the living God. So let us connect if we are not connected. And if we are connected already, with this great creator. May you and I get as close to him as we possibly can. That's my thing. That's my thing. I want to get just as close to God as he'll let me. You know, I want to get close. I want to get close. Why? Because in his presence, I'm finding, I'm learning this as I'm getting old. I was once young, like David said. I was once young, now I'm old. David said, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. David said, I've seen a lot of things in this life. Seen a lot of killing. David was a warrior. Killed a lot of people. Philistines, different ones. David said, I've, I've seen a lot. I've been young. David said, now I'm old. But one thing I've never seen, and I have to be in agreement with the great patriarch David, because I've never seen this either. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. David said, I haven't seen that. Now, David said, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. David just saying, I haven't seen it. And neither have I. God will always take care of his people. I want to encourage you, my brother, encourage you, my sister, just be his people. Be his people. God will always find a way to take care of you, to take care of me, to deliver you, to deliver me. Are we perfect? No, the scripture didn't say that. David didn't say I've been young and now I'm old. But I've never seen the perfect, perfect uh, uh, forsaken. He said, I've never seen the righteous. That means we are sincerely, diligently trying to do this thing right. Do we always do it right? No. Do we always say it right? No. Do we always think it right? No. But we're trying trying. You know, the Lord had to deal with me some years ago, you know, because I was a little dejected because I knew my sins. I knew my lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. And I was like, Lord, you know, how, you know, how are you going to use me? Why would you use me? I got, you know, this problem, that problem. And Lord spoke a parable 
in my spirit that I believe is going to bless someone today. The Lord said, Robert, you like the game of basketball, don't you? I was like, yeah, Lord, you know I like basketball. I like playing that. Lord said, Robert, you are not a perfect basketball player, are you? I was like, no. Lord said, you miss shots. I was like, yeah. Lord said, you miss rebounds. I was like, yeah. Lord said, Robert, sometimes your man scores, sometimes you out of position. I was like, yeah, yeah. But you keep on playing. Even though you know you are not perfect, you keep playing that game. I said, but yeah. Well, this is the same way that God wants you and I to do in our walk with him. We know that we make mistakes. One pastor, a great friend of mine down in South Africa, Johannesburg, South Africa, said something to me maybe 10 or 15 years ago that has stuck with me. He said to me, he said, you know, he was talking about some mistakes he had made as a pastor and the congregation was kind of, you know, talking about it. And he told the congregation, he said, I'm a member of the human race. That allows me to make mistakes. And we just kind of laughed and smiled at it. I want to encourage you, my brother and my sister. You and I are members of the human race. That allows us that we make mistakes. We make mistakes. You know, as pastors, as apostles, as bishops, you know, we are men and women of God. Now, understand what that means. Because some people get confused. We are we are not the God of the man or the woman. We are men and women of God, meaning that we have God in us and we have man in us. The God in us makes no mistakes. The man in us or the woman in us makes mistakes every day. So if you're looking at your pastor and thinking that he is the God of the man, then that's your fault. You messed up there. He is a man of God or she is a woman of God, meaning that they have God in them that never sins. But the man or the woman in them sins every day. Let us strive to be righteous. We're aiming for perfection, but none of us have have hit it yet. None of us have hit that mark. You know, I used to like archery, shoot the bow and arrow. You'd aim for the bullseye. Sometimes you would hit the one or the other targets, even though you're aiming for the bullseye in our walk with God. Children of God, let us aim for perfection, but let us realize that, you know, every day we're hitting other other targets. We have not, like the Apostle Paul said, Paul said to the saints, he said, not that I have already obtained all of this. Now, Paul said, look, don't get confused by all these revelations and insights and all this wisdom I'm sharing with you all. Don't hold up. Paul said, hold, hold, slow your roll. Paul said, not that I have already obtained all of this or have 
already been made perfect. Paul said, I haven't got all this now. God is revealing to me a whole lot more stuff than I'm doing. Paul said, but one thing I do, I'm pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, why did Christ Jesus take a hold of you? Why did Christ Jesus take a hold of me? To take you and me from a lower level, a lower state, a lesser place, and bring us up to perfection. He grabbed a hold of us down here to bring us up to where he is, to bring us up. Now, we aren't there yet. We haven't obtained it all yet. We haven't become... But Christ is in the process of working on you. Christ is in the process of working on me to get us to where he wants us to be. I encourage you, my brother and my sister, continue with Christ. Saints, let's take a look now. We've, we've, we've. The Lord had many things to share with us. We're going to go to Psalms 19. Psalms chapter 19, and a special focus on verse 14. David writes to us, "May these words of my mouth." And this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We're going to work from a theme today, children of God, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Let us pray. Eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, once again, we say thank you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for life, health, strength, food, air, water, Thank you, Father, for chastisement, rebuke. Everything that you have done, are doing, and are going to do to get us as your little children to the place that you desire for us to be. We say thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for loving us when we were unlovable. We thank you, Father, for teaching us at times when we were unteachable. What a mighty God we serve. We see and we're understanding why angels bow before you. We understand a little bit, Father, as to why heaven and earth adore you. Thank you, Father, for life, health, and strength. Thank you, Father, for not dealing with us 
as our sins deserve. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your long suffering. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you. As we study your holy word today, may you speak to us, through us, for us. You've told us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We want to hear you this morning. We want to hear what your good, pleasing, and perfect will is for your people. Let someone be convicted and converted today by the preaching and teaching of your word. That your name, Heavenly Father, which is above every other name, may be glorified, honored, extolled, and praised. These and all other blessings, Father, we ask and we count done. In the glorious and the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. God's people say amen and amen. These words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart David understood a very important aspect of relationship with God. And I'm smiling because as a young Christian, I really did not understand this. In fact, my my grandfather, he used to have to speak to me in regards to this quite frequently. He used to say to me, I remember as a young Christian, wait until your eyes come open. You got to get this thing down in your heart. You know, Christianity and walk with God, there is a outward manifestation, but there is also an inner manifestation. In other words, there are things that we do physically based on some things that we have accepted inwardly. 
Uh, Book of James talks about trials and temptations. Trials are basically things we go through on the outside. Temptations are basically things that we go through on the inside. David is speaking regarding these two facets. David said, may the words of my mouth. Now, David said, I understand there's some things that I'm saying. There's some things that are coming out of me that are going into the atmosphere. Understand, my brother and my sister, the words of your mouth, the words of my mouth are going into the atmosphere. Now, we may have forgotten about them or we may have forgotten what we said, but God is sitting back on the throne in heaven saying, I haven't forgotten them. I haven't forgotten what you said. David understands that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart. Now, the meditations of our heart is what is going on in our inner man what our inner man is thinking about, what our inner man is desiring. Now, we can say a lot of different things, but God is saying, what is, what are you saying in your heart? What am I saying in my heart? I want to encourage you, my brother and my sister, let us be mindful of and watchful of the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart. What is going on on the inside. Now, what the Lord is flashing in my spirit now is something that he said to his hearers during his earthly ministry. Jesus said, you know, if a man looketh on a woman lustfully, I mean, he hadn't touched her. He hadn't put his hand on her. He hadn't tried to rape her. Or try, he hadn't touched her. Jesus said, if a man look, he said, Jesus said, look, if a man looketh on a woman lustfully, whether or not you've touched her, whether or not you have opened your mouth, if you have just looked on a woman lustfully, God said, you have already committed adultery in your heart. God is chalking that look up as adultery. I haven't touched her. I haven't touched her. I haven't said anything to her. God said, you looked at her wrong. You looked at the roundness of her hips. You looked at the, 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 the roundness of her. You looked at her lustfully. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. Job had to make a covenant with his eyes not to look lustfully at any girl. God says, it's not just what you do, Robert. It's what you think. It's what you feel. It's what you meditate on. God said, I don't want to just clean up what you do. Listen, children of God, the Lord had to reveal this to me, I guess, about 30 years ago. And this thing shook me up. God said, you can be a virgin physically and be a whore spiritually. Virgin physically, you haven't, but be a whore spiritually. Say, Apostle, how? Because you may be that virgin outwardly, but inwardly you might be lusting and filled with and be a whore spiritually. 
God wants to not only clean us up outwardly, but more importantly, God wants to clean you and me up inwardly. Jesus told the religious leaders of his day, outwardly you appear unto men as righteous, but inwardly you are like unmarked graves filled with dead men's bones and inwardly you're filled with some terrible stuff. Father, clean, help clean us up inwardly. We don't want to just be clean outwardly. Father, help clean us up inwardly. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. David said, I want both of these aspects of my being to be pleasing in your sight. My prayer for each of us as children of God around the world. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart, what we are thinking on, what we are planning on, what we are feeling on, what we are desiring. Father, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight. Help us, Heavenly Father. Not just what we're saying, but what we're saying with these inner beings, what we're saying in our heart, what we're thinking in our heart, what we're imagining. Father, we will clean us up, clean us up outwardly, but more important, inwardly. Jesus said, if you clean the inside of the cup or dish, the outside will be made clean. David said, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Well, and you go back to verse 13. One of the ways that this process will be done David asked the Lord in verse 13, he said, keep your servant also from willful sins. See, we got two types of sins that we commit, children of God. There's the stuff that we do that God does not like that we don't want to do. We really don't want to do that or we didn't mean to do that, or that was a mistake, or that was a truly an error. But then God said, Robert, then you got some stuff in there that you so that I don't like that you all really want to do. See, these are willful sins. These are sins 
that we know God doesn't like them, but we want to do them anyway. Like God had to tell Solomon on one occasion. Solomon had these 700 wives and these 300 concubines and God told him not to do it. Solomon kept pushing and kept doing it anyway. God had to tell Solomon, since this is your attitude, in other words, this is, this is what you have decided you're going to do. Even though you know that God don't like it, even though you know that God don't want you to do it, you have just decided that this is this is the way I'm, I'm going to do this. God had to tell Solomon, since this is your attitude, God had to take aspects of the kingdom away from him. David is asking in verse 13, something that you and I should be asking on a daily basis. Lord, keep us from willful sins. Keep us from just deciding certain things that we're going to do even though you don't like it, even though you don't want us to do it. Lord, keep your servant from willful sins. May they not rule over me. See, that's the thing about willful sins. Willful sins, they want to take over in you and in me. Sin wants to take over inside of you and inside of me, just like righteousness wants to take over. So we got this war going on. Sin is trying to take over in us. Now, I'm not talking about a war between the Russians and the Americans. I'm not talking about a, a, a war between uh, uh, this. And I'm talking about inside of you and inside of me, there is a war between sin and righteousness. The will of the adversary and the will of God, battling it out inside of you and inside of me. Willful sin wants to take over in you. Willful sin wants to take over in me. David said, may they not rule over me. David said, may they not rule over me. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, may they not rule over us in the name of Jesus. David said, then I will be blameless. Now, David said, when, I, when this willful sin thing can be dealt with properly in me, then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression. See, God sees willful sins as great transgression. When it's a willful sin, it, the reason why willful sins are so, one of the reasons that they are so terrible is because God sees us as committing great transgression when we get into willful sin. May God deliver you and me today from willful sins. May God deliver you and me today from great transgression. When we come out of willful sins, sins that we have just decided, we're going we're gonna to do that now. We're going to do that anyway. When we come out of willful sins, God says the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart become pleasing in his sight. My prayer for each of us today, may the words of our mouth 
May the meditations of our heart be pleasing in, in the eyes of God. Whether it's pleasing in the eyes of men and women or not, may the words of our mouth. See, see understand that the words of our mouth being pleasing in the eyes of God and being pleasing in the eyes of men are two different things. That's the difference between politicians and true men and women of God. A lot of times politicians will tell you what you want to hear. But true men and women of God will tell you what God wants to hear, which is his word. Politicians tell you all kinds of things. Big smile on their face. True men and women of God, see, we, 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 you can't be now politicians. Shouldn't be. politician to study the polls you know find out what's popular what most people believe about this what most people want to hear about that what most people like what most and try to tell you just what you want to hear true men and women of god say nonsense i'm gonna tell you what god say whether you like it or not a true man and woman of God said, look, I'm not I'm not running for elected office. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to get you to vote me in. True men and women of God say, I have been put here by God. That's who I answer to. Not my constituency, not to the Democrats, not to the Republicans. True men and women of God say, I answer to our creator. Whether you like it or not. True men and women of God say, I want the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be pleasing in his sight, not be pleasing in your sight. Who are you? Who am I? The words of my mouth, meditations of my heart. This is the difference between politician and man of God politician is trying to be pleasing in your sight. True man or woman of God is trying to be pleasing in God's sight. My prayer for every soul under the sound of my voice. May the words of your mouth and my mouth, may the meditations of your heart and my heart not be pleasing, not necessarily be pleasing in the eyes of men, but may they be pleasing in the eyes and in the eyesight of God. That is it. That is it. Well, children of God, that's the message. That's the message. We pray that as many as are under the sound of my voice today, that you have been blessed at the preaching and teaching of God's word, whether it be through Facebook or Tumblr or Twitter or YouTube or the various other social media platforms that God has allowed us to be on. We thank God for the administrators of these various platforms for allowing us this privilege to share a portion of God's word. We pray God's continued blessings on your lives, just as we pray 
God's continued blessings on all of his people everywhere. This is Apostle Robert Bryant, pastor of the Christian Center Church Worldwide, signing out.